Hey everyone, I'm Hannah Donovan. And I'm Sheree Robinson. This is It Just Got Real. Which is extra real right now, actually, because we're launching this pod in the middle of a global pandemic. So Sheree, what's been going on with you? Well, for those that are just listening, which is all of you since it's our first episode, things have hit the proverbial fan. I run a travel startup at a time when the world is at a virtual standstill. And I've probably had the most difficult three weeks in my life as a founder outside of like starting my company. Mm. I think that when this first happened, I was very much like, okay, you know, this will be a rough patch-ish. But I also, you know, old life worked at the Center for Disease Control. So I also kind of know what an outbreak looks like. Mm. And so as each day went by, it felt more outbreakish, And I started to feel the weight of this whole thing really sticking for everyone, but particularly for me being in travel. And I think I raised seed round at the end of last year and was very much ready to like come into 2020, like kicking the door, waving the 4-4 style, ready to crush things. <laughs> and instead- I remember that, like the end of last year when we were hanging yes. in LA, your birthday was like a whole new vibe. 2020 was going to be lit. Ready for the world. Joshua Tree, Jadena concert with the homies, oh my like God. ready. Yes. But instead, over the past few weeks, it's literally been phone call after phone call with our investors who are amazing. But basically, it's like whatever you thought was going to happen is not it. And the truth of the matter is, not only is it not it, but we don't know what is. Mm. And that has been, I mean, one of our investors was the CEO of Expedia when Expedia had to deal with 9-11, had to deal with SARS. And so on the bright side, you know, this is where like choosing who invests in you is just as important as someone choosing you to invest in. For real. Because we've had incredible, incredible resources to navigate this storm. But it, it hasn't made it any easier. I've literally had moments where I've looked up and said like, what am I even building anymore? What am I doing here? And it's been, I mean, I'm not a fearful person, but it's shaken me to the core to try to navigate the fact that I had every bit of momentum at my back and for it to just come to a grinding halt completely out of my control. So much. You were telling me the other week about this call that you were on with a bunch of other travel startup founders. Was that like the big oh shit moment? Absolutely. I was on a call with 40 other travel entrepreneurs, some of the best in the world, like best up and coming travel startups. We'd all gone through this uh, booking.com accelerator together. And sitting there on Zoom and looking at everyone's faces as we talked about zeroing out revenue for months over months over months. And are we going to survive and how? And just really seeing in the eyes of people that I respect and admire so much, the genuine like WTF, Mm. you know, like it was, it was palpable. And on one hand, it was beautiful to be in solidarity 
with these other people who are very much in my shoes. Mm -hmm. But it was also the moment where I was like, nothing is going to be the same. It's just not. And you were probably one of the lucky ones on that call because you just raised. We were lucky, one, because we raised, but also because Tastemakers, as much as it's a travel company, it's always been a community. Mm -hmm. And at this time, I think that's really, you know, what's been our saving grace. And, And even when I spoke to our investors and had to do sort of the hard things like revise our budgets and those numbers look very different than they did before, you know, and talk to my team, which I think was probably like the hardest moment of it. I was able to sort of lean on that, but not initially. Like that's not even what happened right away. What happened right away? Like after you had that oh shit moment after getting off that call or whenever it really hit you, what did you do next? Honestly, (laughs) there were some tears for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You and I had a phone call full of those. (laughs) I remember speaking to uh, one of my board members who, uh, her name is actually um, Jamie Wong. She built Viable which was like the first OG like experiences platform. And one of the things that really forced me to level set was a conversation where I had to take on the fact that even when borders open again, people aren't going to up and be traveling to turn up in Ghana right away. Mm -hmm. And so realizing that this isn't even like a three-month, six-month sort of pause but this is likely an 18-month recovery, the only thing I could do was sit still. Mm. And I actually appreciated being given the space to do so. And in some ways, like, claiming it for myself. I really, really said, I need to make space. A friend of mine, um, David Wilson, who uh, started a media company called The Grio, amazing, amazing guy, I was on a conversation with him where he brought to me this idea of giving myself creative real estate. And I think this sort of pausing and initially pausing to sort of allow myself to feel what I was feeling. Because tucking it away and going to like superwoman founder mode wasn't going to get us to a better place. And so initially it was pausing to just feel it. Mm -hmm. And then it was okay, in this pause, what is possible? And allowing myself to sort of throw out those expectations of myself, of the company, reframe, and then go to my team with an idea of a plan (laughs) that we could begin to find, you know, some solace and some grounding in. I love that you talked about taking a pause and then rapidly putting together a plan because I'm also a big believer in rapidly putting together a plan, especially in a time of uncertainty. The person that shows up and is like, all right, this is what we're going to do, even if it's not necessarily the right thing or it might change, just gives everybody else so much confidence. Like, okay, all right, we have a plan. We can do something. 
It's like getting that dive line. Like when I first learned how to scuba dive, it was in really rough, choppy water, actually, which was, <laughs> that's a whole other pod. <laughs> <laughs> Worst way to scuba dive. Yeah, at night. Um, oh. and, <laughs> and I was learning how to do a descent in the ocean in Australia. And I, um, I was so thankful for that dive line at first. I was like, oh my God, if this thing wasn't here, I don't know which way I was going. All of a sudden you're thinking in like, not just one dimension, but there's up, down, sideways. And um, and then, of course, over time, as you get more used to it, you don't need it anymore. But I think about that when there's these oh shit moments, like it's just so important to throw that down, even if it's not going to the right destination. You can change it. You can update it. But people really need something. And you just you cannot sit on it. Like you, sometimes you don't have overnight to sleep on it. Sometimes you have to come up with it like in a few hours after you take that pause. But I'm like really bad at remembering to take that pause. <laughs> I'm always diving into things. And so listening to you talk about how you just sat still and really felt at first and what you said about like throwing out your expectations of yourself, that really resonates with me. Well, it's interesting in that like some of it is like stuff I read in a book. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is like when you're reading these books, you're like, for real, really, this is the scenario until it happens like mm-hmm. in your life. I think one of the biggest things for us, we were, I mean, I grew my company very scrappy. You know, I was a solo founder for a long time and my company's been through like iteration after iteration, which is a whole other episode. But, <laughs> you know, the long and the short of it were our CTO and I were like literally panting for a full team. He was ready to be an actual CTO versus like a coder that was called a CTO. And I was ready to have like other people do the things from marketing to customer success. Like we were so ready to like see what we could do with the full power of a team. And one of the hardest and first decisions I had to make was to not hire. Mm. And to figure out how to tell my little scrappy team that had been figuring it out together for so long, that reprieve that we all saw coming when we closed our round wasn't coming. Mm. And it was like, I could sugarcoat this. I could, Mm -mm. you know, put the medicine inside of a Twinkie or whatever. (laughs) But the hard thing about hard things really tells you is that it's hard. Mm. And so it being hard doesn't mean you don't do it. You just have to kind of know what it is. And and so when I got on that team call, I actually started with that. It was like, guys, I'm going to give you bad news first, you know, and this is what it is. But it also was like reminding the team that like I have the utmost confidence in each of you Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't want anyone else to navigate this with. And it was really about being like, this is our baseline. And I also was super transparent that I didn't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Because I think what you don't want to do in a crisis is project false confidence. Definitely not. Just not needed for anybody, you know. When you're working in a small team, I mean, people are going to call you bluff anyway. We see you on Slack, on Zoom. Like, we see you and this farsity of you having a plan. And also, like, you need them. It's so important. I mean, I had a meeting with my team today about Q2, and I was like, all right, I don't have all the answers. The reason we're in this room together is because I need your help. Mm. I mean, leadership is already a thing. 
You know, like it's a whole ball of wax to try to wrap your head around because when you're building a company or anything that doesn't exist in the world, there isn't a roadmap. There's some ideas on how a marketplace works. There's some ideas on how a SaaS company works. There's some ideas on how you build a restaurant. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you're birthing something new, it's already sort of building a plane while you fly it. Mm -hmm. So then to try to do it in a global pandemic where even the president doesn't have the answers. I mean, we can talk about that another time. I mean, would he really? Of the answers about anything, but you know, clearly we're a left-leaning podcast. Nope, no qualms about that. Um, it's just a different ball of wax altogether, like just completely different. You mentioned a resource earlier when you were talking about. You said this is the hard thing about hard things, and I think it's important for everyone listening to know that that is a fantastic book. And if you haven't heard of it or checked it out yet, you totally should. It's by Ben Horowitz. It's literally about this stuff. And when I first read it, I was like, oh, no way. What? This is happening and that's happening? Like, it gets straight into it. It's like the middle of the dot-com crash. Like, people are getting fired right, left, and center. (laughs) That's like page two of the book. (laughs) And then it was this book on my shelf that I just went back to over and over and over again. And every time I wound up in another wild situation, I was like, oh, no, this is actually just right. Okay. This is why it's called hard, because it's hard. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not, I think, like, it's super relevant to tech, but I think, like, at the end of the day, it's the reality of decision-making. Yeah. That's really what it's about. This idea that there's always compromise or there's always sort of this collaborative approach to, like, Mm -hmm. getting through a thing is not real life. And that there's always, like, finding another answer when it seems like you're in such a dire situation that you cannot go either direction because if you do this, then that thing will happen. And if you do this other thing, then this other thing will happen. We've all been in that situation before, whether it's work or life or family, friends. And it it really talks about persevering to find some path through the middle. And I think that that for me was always like the big takeaway about that book, that if you are willing to really investigate the problem and dig deeply, usually there's another way out. (laughs) Right. So it's funny you mentioned that because I think the conversation you and I had, it was so funny. So in this kind of hiring thing, one of the hires that had to go was a product designer. Mm. And I was really looking forward to like someone else designing product. Mm -hmm. And so Han is an amazing designer. And so I enlisted her. I mean, I'm not just gassing her. Like in real life, this is what she does. There are not many people that I would ask to design anything on my behalf. And like giving that to Han is a big deal to me. But anyway, Han agrees to like totally like be my mentor in this. And I was so stressed that I like basically had a breakdown. Like I couldn't even get through the call. Like it was so... You had a breakdown that day. It was a mess. But the breakdown led to the breakthrough, like in real life. Exactly. Absolutely. Because here's the other thing is that Sheree is also a brilliant designer. (laughs) (laughs) No, you are. Okay, designer. Every time I see something that you made, I'm like, wait, what? You didn't go to design school? (laughs) It's in my head. You know, it's just... You know, I'm telling you, this girl's got natural talent right here. Give me a Photoshop (laughs) 
or a sketch. It's going to be popping. But (laughs) in all seriousness, like allowing myself to reach that break point and having someone I trusted to be in that break point with is actually where like the breakthrough happened. It was, I needed to get it out. I needed to like put my big girl panties on and talk to my team. (laughs) I did that. And then it was like, what am I here for? Mm -hmm. What is this business here for? Like, what is our purpose? And once I tapped back into that, Mm -hmm. that's when it really got popping. Like idea after idea after idea. We ended up doing this virtual conference that like one of our customers volunteered to help us do and put it together. Literally, I think the day, I think I talked to Han on like a Wednesday. By Thursday, we were like sending out speaker letters. And by that Sunday. Totally. Because we were recording this on a Sunday and you were like, oh yeah, I'm doing this conference Absolutely. first. Absolutely. I was like, wait, why Absolutely. did you that on the phone? Like you pulled that out of your ass in like 48 hours. And it was bananas. Like it was supposed to be like a three hour thing. It was like nine and a half hours. We had DJ sets. Like, I mean, it was the most. But I think beyond the fact that 1400 people showed up to a conference from a travel startup and used their whole day for it, It was the fullest expression of everything my company is supposed to be. It's about community. It's about identity. It's about people of the African diaspora coming together to heal, to connect to the African continent, about sharing voices, about like that. All of those things are at the core of who we are. And having this space in the middle of COVID, you know, something I could have never dreamed of and something that felt like a death knell, to be honest. It turned out to be like just the space I needed to get realigned to our company's mission and purpose after all I was thinking about was fundraising for six months. You know what I mean? Like it was in many ways a necessary pause in the life of a business, which I think many people building stuff don't realize like you don't kind of come up with your idea and then sort of truck along on that same path forever. So even though COVID is like a huge record scratch, you're going to have smaller record scratches. I don't know if that's happened with you and Trash Hand, but like it's definitely been the course of of my business. Yeah, big time. It's definitely happened with me, especially after fundraising, because I think your brain is just in such a different place after going through that for the three to six months or however long it takes that like reconnecting with your true mission and like your why And the reason that you started your company after all of that and like getting out of selling land and back to making land is it's a very real transition. Like the last time I did it, I felt it was difficult and I really underestimated the amount of time that it took me to take off one hat and put on the other. And I got to say, I was so impressed with how quickly you pulled that together. (laughs) Talk about giving people a dive line and like quickly figuring out what to do. Not only did you figure out what to do with what you needed to tell your team, but you also quickly jumped on what you needed to tell your community. And that was the part that I was most impressed with. I remember you saying, you're like, yeah, this couldn't wait for next weekend because it's the year of the return. This is a big fucking deal. And we've got to jump on this right now. We've got to be the people that are going to start this conversation. And then you just did it. Well, I mean, sometimes you have to cry with your friends to get like the moment of clarity. <laughs> like seriously, I was just like, what? I mean, I'm a Scorpio, so I'm generally emotional like as a human. 
But this whole thing has been peak Crimea River. Like, I've just been like, really, homie? Like, can we please pull it together? But it's like in that, you know, that <laughs> you like find the things. I think outside of the whole business side of Corona, which unfortunately or fortunately, you know, as a person running a startup with other people's money, I had to like first think about that. It's also the life thing of this that has been super interesting is the word I'll use. I don't know. How have you been dealing with this? I can talk about it all day. (laughs) So I have had a really bizarre Rona experience because I moved to LA not too long ago. And LA is already kind of like us, you know, New Yorkers, which that's where I was living before, are always nervous about LA being a little bit too empty and a little or bit dry too isolating, or neglecting and a little bit too lonely. <laughs> yes, I'm an LA hater, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm coming to the other side. LA's got plenty of culture, but it does have a lot of space and you do spend a lot of time alone. You joke that everybody spends all their time in the same exact place in their car. And so it's already kind of a lonely zone to be in. And then this Corona thing happens and it's like, oh shit, well now I'm really alone. Like I am so alone. I'm literally spending all of my time alone in my studio apartment seeing nobody. But this weird thing happened this week where it started to feel normal. Mm. Like I got up and I went to work and I did my day and I had my workout. And when I was going to sleep that night, I was like, oh, well, there we go. There was another normal day. And I was like, oh my God, what am I saying to myself? Like, this isn't normal at all. Mm. But then I was like, wow, humans are just incredible at adapting to circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I don't know that I yet feel, one, I think you feeling normal. Like, I kind of want to pause and unpack that. I mean, like, it's not normal. Right. But like you even feeling like, of course I got up and only saw these four walls and kept it pushing. Like, (laughs) Like, of course, that's what I did. It's Tuesday. I mean, why not? Like, that's. But I think (laughs) to your point about like human evolution, you kind of don't have a choice. You don't have a choice but to get into a place where you find comfort in discomfort, which is really what evolution is about. I mean, Zoom is super popping right now, house party, like all the things, because people need to connect. Mm -hmm. Like, in my everyday life, I don't even know if that was normal, but I was on a plane all the time. I was living in upstate New York, traveling two and a half hours to the city, sleeping on my CTO's couch two days a week. Like that also wasn't normal. So that that was another <laughs> thing. But sitting still in my house and no other human contact thing has actually forced me to do normal things like call my friends on the phone without making an appointment with them. Like, which is funny. Like, I used to be a person, my aunt used to laugh at me. Mm -hmm. If someone just called me without sending a text first, I'd be like, what do they think? Oh, I'm so (laughs) mad. I'm like, what are you even doing? (laughs) How dare you? That happened to me the other week too. One of my friends just like, he just called me and I picked up the phone. I was like, did you mean to call me? Was this a pocket (laughs) dial? He was like, no, I'm just, I knew you were at home. (laughs) Someone today did that. Like I called, I had this moment where I was like, trying to cook. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to FaceTime my friends. And people were like, just not answering the phone. I felt like the lamest person. And then literally like an hour ago, I got all these replies, like, did you pocket dial me? And I was like, we got so far as a society where we were making appointments to talk to our friends. 
That was crazy. Yeah. Like, if you really think about it. Though, I still want my parents to text me before they call me. <laughs> not your parents. Like, you don't have a black mom. Because if you had a black mom, that would not stand. <laughs> like, my mom does not care what I'm doing. Marcella Robinson <laughs> is not here for entrepreneurship, invest. Like, she doesn't care. Did you text me the picture of the braid hairstyle I want or not? Nah? Like this is, and if I don't, I love that it's episode one, and we're already talking about your mom. I mean, <laughs> better come back. So, what about culture recently? I mean, we've all been stuck inside. It's starting to feel normal, which is kind of weird. But maybe our lives weren't normal before that. They weren't. What have you been listening to? Because I've been also noticing that music is like one of the few things right now that's just kind of keeping me alive. And you messaged me the other week saying that I had to listen to the Donald Glover Presents, which is amazing. Lituation. It's a complete lituation. So good. Like this guy, like what is, I'm like, what is he doing in the Rona? Like how is he Talented. It doesn't make sense. How is it even fair? He's just got so much raw talent. Well, except height. Height is the one thing he didn't get, but he doesn't need it. Like, he doesn't even need to be tall because he's just... I didn't even know that he wasn't tall. Because he's excellent. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That's why you didn't notice. Because he's excellent. He's excellent at everything else, and you don't even notice it. But, he, I mean, I'm of two minds. Part of me thinks, well, all of us were having our, you know, founder freakouts. I feel like he just like made that album in the Rona. Like I feel like he's so talented. I feel like he just like it's was like, you know what? I don't know. It's so emotional and so beautiful. I've been going on really long runs around my neighborhood listening to that album and it's just uh every time it just gets me. I mean, there is a what track? Well, number one, the tracks have like numbers, and so it's really hard to like recall the names, which is mm-hmm. that is yeah. the one annoyance. Cause like right now I'd love to be like this song is my favorite, but it's too hard for me to think about the numbers. It's like a movie. You have to talk about it in scenes almost. Uh, it's so cinematic the way it plays out. It's like a soundtrack almost. I like that. Like, I like that way of thinking about it. There's like an arc. Mm-hmm. I can listen to it as a mood, mm-hmm. as I'm like flowing through like a mood. I mean, it's it's brilliant. So yes, Donald Glover's project, fantastic. What else have you been listening to? So... This might be divisive, but I'm really into that new weekend. Like the one that sounds like Taylor Swift did it for him, or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm oh, asking for really a friend. Now I'm asking for a friend. Like <laughs> it's different. It's outside of the zone, but like, come on, it's I'm not with you. It's catchy. I'm not with you're you. Not, you're no, not. No, I mean, you're not with it. Look, I like my weekend dark and Torontonian, mm. like straight out of Toronto, still in Drake's camp of like emo light skin dude. Like I'm into that weekend. Like he's my favorite. This Taylor Swift version. You want like 2016. Yeah. Weekend. Like barely an album. Mostly feels like a mixtape. Like pre Starboy. Yeah. Even pre Starboy. Cause after, even Starboy, I was okay. like, this is, I don't know where he's going. And this new album, I'm just like, it's like an 80s synth marathon. Like, ah, I, <laughs> It does have a lot of sense on it. <laughs> you know, I was talking about The weekend briefly with my sister who used to live in Toronto and I also used to live in Toronto and uh, a bunch of my family is in Toronto too. And how that his music is kind of reflective of also what sort of feels like the arc that Toronto itself has gone through. Like, oh, tell me more. 
Well, when I left Toronto, I felt like it was okay. People might hate me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I felt like it was kind of like an adolescent city, like a teenage city <laughs> that was still looking at like what its big brother New York was doing all the time. Like, ooh, what's New York drinking? Oh, what's New York listening to? Oh, what's New York wearing? And it was so goddamn annoying. I was like, can't we just have our own identity? please. But that is a whole other pod because that is like literally the existential question of all Canadians. So we're not going there today. It's also of all people from New Jersey. So same thing. <laughs> oh same, same. I mean, is it a state okay. or is it New My York? My Canadian New- pride is rising up a little bit. Let's not compare all Canadians to New Jersey, please. Um, I've been there. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that that turnpike is the same thing as all of Canada. Um, but but when I left Toronto, it really felt like it. I just wanted it to believe in itself more because there's so many talented people there. And then I left because I needed to create my own path and my own career. And I felt like I couldn't quite do it there, but I intended to come back at some point. And this was when, you know, tech wasn't really happening yet in Toronto. And now, of course, it totally mm-hmm. is. I ended up moving to London working for Last FM there. And I remember coming back to visit my friends in Toronto over and over and them saying things to me like, oh, wow, you think this band is cool? Like, that's so awesome because, like, you're from London, so, like, they must be really good. And I was like, this is so messed up. Like, you should just, like, love your own people. And then this thing changed. This thing called Drake totally changed that city. And he really... But he really did. He really put it on the map. And a lot of other things were happening at the same time. Toronto, like a lot of the neighborhoods were gentrifying. The city was changing rapidly. They were making new buildings in the core of the city. Like they were expanding all sorts of properties. It was it was really going through a lot of change. And it was kind of growing up out of that gangly, awkward adolescent phase where it's not really sure how it feels about itself to being much more sure of itself. And today, I I feel like going back to Toronto, it feels like a it's like in its like early 20s now. Like it knows what's up. It's got taste. Got a couple it knows what it's like. <laughs> yeah. And it's like not afraid to be like, yeah, we're into this shit. And if you're not into it, we don't really care so much anymore. And so I think in a way and I don't know, maybe I'm projecting too much, but I think that The weekend's music kind of reflects that a little bit, that like growing up and becoming more give a shit. And I really respect artists who are not afraid to change. Of course, I miss that old 2016 weekend as well, but like I also appreciate moving forward and trying something new. And yeah, it sounds a little bit like Taylor Swift. So this is my deal. I love the way you describe Toronto because Toronto is actually one of my favorite cities in the world and I've only been there once. Really? But the Toronto I visited was very much Drake's Toronto. I mean, I saw Mm. Drake when I was in Toronto. So I visited Toronto. I was a part of this like Facebook travel group. I said I was going to Toronto for work and um, this woman Jasmine in this group was like, I'm going to hang out with you. And so she did. So as soon as my like work meetings were done, I went to hang out with Jasmine who like actually knew all these people in the OVO crew. So like I went to this OVO party on like my first time ever. And t- I've lived a life, people. Like you will learn on this podcast. I've lived a life. Wow. That's, this is impressive. See, this is why I'm friends with Shrey because she's not true than I am. If you guys could see the black turtleneck that Han has on, then you'd know. Like, you'd know. So anyway, the thing I loved about Toronto was like New York thinks it's a melting pot. But it's really just a melting pot that only comes together during work time. And then it's like 
these segregated pots on a stove, like all cooking at their own temperature. Mm -hmm. Whereas Toronto felt like a true melting pot. Mm -hmm. I had never seen so many different types of mixed race people in my life. It was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm Senegalese and Russian. Or yeah, of course, you know, I'm Egyptian and Irish. And like everybody was all of these things and none of it felt weird like it can feel in America with all of our like problematic history. And so I really fell in love with Toronto because it felt like the melting pot was legit. Like I had heard about Carabana and saw all these photos from that. Like everything felt like legit. And I know this is me like coming from like America, looking at my like one time trip. You should be like a Toronto spokesperson. <laughs> so that was the- someone should record you for tourism in Canada. I know. I'm ready, guys. You know, the way the Rona is set up, I might need it. But <laughs> I need that sponsorship. But like for me, when the weekend came out, he was this Ethiopian dude from Toronto. And like his sound for me was of that. And so I think that's the thing that I was kind of like held on to because that was like my lens of Toronto. But I, as you, as a person that lives there, like maybe I'll listen to it again with this new lens of him just doing what the hell he wants to do, which is probably what all of us want to do in real life. And P.S. I think he's been listening to more Giorgio Moroder than Taylor Swift. Fair. On that note, I think that we should take this home. Are you ready to take it home, Sheree? I am. So we've talked about all of the things on our very first episode. We really did. (laughs) Including your mom. Including my mom. (laughs) Be living in Toronto. Um, (laughs) But we we did have some things that hopefully you can take home. One is the importance of the pause and the importance of establishing a space for yourself to have creative real estate, to like really figure out what you want to do, but also to process the emotions, especially when things get real. Like that is something you should guard as a privilege and you should exercise it um, because it is going to be a source of power and stability, not just for you, but, but for your team. And the second one is really this like establishing a plan quickly, like figuring out how to just give people a guide rope to hold on to, even if it's not the right one, even if you need to change the plan, that importance of being able to say to people, all right, we're going to go this direction, not like, oh, we're still figuring it out. Because I think that when you're trying to figure it out, that's when people can spin out on anxiety. And that's when they can start wondering and worrying and making up their own stories. So just this swift action. I think the last thing we want to leave you with is probably what you're all trying to do right now. In this moment where we're in the thick of this epidemic and none of us really know where things are going, just lean into your why. Lean into the mission of whatever it is you're trying to do and really, really get close and familiar with it. Let it be your guiding light and just put one foot in front of the other. Your 12-month, six-month, even three-month plan, legit doesn't mean anything. But what does last, what is timeless, as they say, is the reason why you're doing the thing you're doing. And so tap into that, and you'd be surprised at like what bits of awesomeness comes from doing so. And that's all. That's all we got. I love that. That's a perfect place to end. And last but not least... 
give the weekend a chance. You see, you see how she does. <laughs> Bye, y'all. We're, we're ending. We're ending there with Hannah, please. All right, it's <laughs> over. It's a wrap. <laughs>